Greetings. Welcome, visitors. Good to see you. Yeah, wisdom is um, a lot of times we crave it, we desire it, and um, I believe all one of the things to get it is just not just, but to have a fear of the Lord and to seek the Lord in situations when we make decisions. And the more we walk in obedience, the more wisdom we acquire. So thank you for that opening. Um, I want, before we go on, let us rise to our feet before the Lord this morning. And with grateful hearts, invite him into our midst. Lord God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for this opportunity of coming together, Lord, for opening your word and to, to reflect on you, Lord, and who you are. Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you will be here in our midst, that you move and speak to our hearts this morning, that your truth may come forth. Lord, we pray that we can focus on you, you this morning, Lord, and that we have a, a Savior, a, a loving God that, that reaches out and touches us and loves us and take, takes care of us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that our heart and our focus will be on that love that passes all our comprehension, Lord, this morning. So we pray, Lord, that your presence may fill this room. We pray, Lord, that the enemy will have no room in here with distractions or with other vices that he may use to draw our attention away from you. We pray, Lord, that we may richly feel your presence here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yeah, the enemy can use all kinds of tactics to to distract us and to pull us away from the Word of God. So, this morning I would like to focus in more of an encouragement. I try to do it a lot, but many times I, I preach on things that are pressing on my heart. And most of the time we, we preach, when we preach... We, we focus on the church, we focus to encourage the church, to exhort, or to provoke unto godliness. And it's the members of the church, in the church, that bring to life the gospel. If we stay dead to the gospel, there's no living demonstration. So we speak to the church to to encourage oneness we we preach on the body of Christ we preach on vision we preach on person holiness we preach on sanctification and on and on because ultimately at the, in the end again it's it's the body that represents the body of Christ that represents Christ here in this earth so we speak on, on laying down our lives one for another, as Christ had commended us, as he laid down his life for us. So we continuously exhort one another on these biblical truths. And I believe it's good. 
Um, I believe it's part of the church's responsibility is to exhort one another and to encourage one another. It's, it's one of the things, it's one of the responsibilities that we all have. And it's not only from the pulpit, it's in our fellowship, it's when we interact, we exhort one another. We are commended to do that as God's people. So we clearly see God has made a way for us to come unto him and to be partakers of eternal life. As we, as he, God himself, generously and lovingly extends his grace towards us. All of us, all of us sitting here are aware of salvation. All of us are aware of the workings of God in the church and in our lives. It's no secret. It's been preached. It's been encouraged. It's out. If there's any feeling of the will of God to have in our life, it's because we failed we fail to act or respond to his commandments. So having said that, I want to speak today on our vertical focus. And it's not going to be long. I want to focus on God. The church is our horizontal focus. And I was, as I was meditating on it, as, and as I said, most of our preaching is focused on the horizontal. And I personally, I believe that is, that is probably our lack. Our, our love of God, as we, I think it was last week we heard that, is demonstrated by our love for our brethren. It's by our love and how we interact with one another. So... By the grace of God, I pray we can, we can be encouraged this morning and to draw our eyes onto Christ. So to start, I'm going to start with a challenge here now. How many of us take the time to just sit still? Like be quiet, sit still, and meditate on the God we serve. Just quiet. In a busy world where we're continuously bombarded with distractions, with noise. And if, if they're not coming, if the distraction and noise is not coming for us, we, we, we create noise and distraction. We create noise, we distract ourselves with our phones. And when it's quiet, we turn on music or a podcast or a video or some kind of thing to keep our brain going. Noise, distraction. Or what's happening more and more, that's something that we're getting used to, is as technology increases, and we all love technology, most of us, we put wireless headphones on, noise cancellation, put on our music, put on our messages, and then we're, we invite noise, more noise, more distraction, more noise, more distraction. And so when does a person dive deep into the things of God 
if there's always noise or distraction. And it's challenge. I I tell you, I'm challenged myself with that. How often can we just sit at home when everyone's around and there's our phone sitting beside us? How often do we just close our eyes or just pray in the Spirit and meditate on God to dive deep, call it diving deep with God, and just meditate on who He is? I'm not trying to accuse them. I'm just pointing out that challenge. How often do we do that? See, if, if, if we never do that, we never get to know who God is personally. We never even start to comprehend who He is. If we never do that, God is an idea rather than a being. And maybe that is why so many a times we, we lose heart and purpose, because it's hard to serve an idea rather than a being. But anyway, the Word teaches us in Proverbs 1.7, we heard about wisdom in the opening. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. instruction. So, in order to have that particular emotion for a healthy fear of the Lord, there has to be an awareness and, an, and like I said, an acknowledge of who He actually is. Just think about it. We, we quote that verse all the time. It's probably the favorite verse to put on our walls at graduations or we admonish our students with it. But... Who? Who do we fear? Again, is it an idea or is it a person? Is it a being? If we never get to know who God is, how shall we fear? The fear of the Lord is one that would help us. But just being fear a fearful person will hinder us. So getting to know the Lord is getting to know the proper fear, a reference fear. A fear that will lead, that will direct our ways, that will help us make decision, that will help us make us wise decision. And now I, I, I'm not saying that the only way to get to know the Lord is to be to meditate on Him. We get to know the Lord by the Word also, and by being obedient to it. Okay. So in our Bible reading this morning, I want to start in Hebrews 13. Uh, Hebrews 4, sorry. Um, starting at verse 13, the writer briefly touches on God's omnipotence and then about his life in the flesh. It's a good place to start. And then he gives us the statement of entering into his presence, which what I really want to look at. Hebrews 4, 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened in unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Just this verse here, just this very verse, tells us of a, 
of God that we can that we don't even understand. We have the idea, but we don't even understand the the power and the omnipotence of our God. Neither is there any creature. Just think about creation. There's there's creatures that are biggest this room. Then there's creatures that we call the hidden kingdom. They're so small we can't even see it. They're, they're so minute we cannot even grasp that they're alive. Then there's germs. I mean, it, it just just think about the spectrum. And that is not manifested in his sight. Then there's us, but all things are naked and open unto him, unto the eyes of him. Seeing then, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. <clears throat> so, First, he gives us the picture who God is, that he's omnipresent, omnipotent. And then he goes on to say, this is, a, this is our high priest. This is our high priest who, was, who walked among flesh. He, he feels the same things we do. He cannot be touched. <clears throat> he can be touched, sorry, with the feelings of our infirmities, with our hurts, with our needs. This is our high priest. Yet, he's all-knowing, he's God. And then he goes on to say, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is one of the more popular verses that we know. And why is this verse so noticeable? Why is it so catching? Why has it always stood out? Why has it always been a comfort to believers? It's because it is hard to grasp that we as mere humans can enter into the throne room with boldness. And yet as God's people, we are commanded to do so. Wow. And the only way, reason we can do that is because of Christ himself. At the same time, in this, on this throne sits an almighty God, a creator God, a God where the power of his word can speak life into existence. In Genesis 1, chapter 2, no, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form. Something to, to think about again. Can you just comprehend for a minute the earth without form? And I think it was in verse 3, he said, where he separated the skies, the firmaments with, with the earth, with the atmosphere. So there, there was nothing there. It was without form. And void. 
And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Power. And we can go on and on about the power of God, especially at creation. Day four, he created the sun, the moon, the stars to give light to the earth and to govern and to separate day and night. We could go on and on and on about that very aspect, about the firmament, the stars, the just the vastness of it is we, we can't... we. Man cannot yet comprehend it with the latest and greatest telescopes. The new one that just got out last year, James Webb, that's somewhere in orbit, way more powerful than the Hubble. We still cannot see the end. Yet, he spoke it into existence. By his word. Now, just think for a second. The power of that word. The power of a word that can spoke, that can create, that can speak. This is the God whom we serve. He created living creatures of the seas and every winged bird. On day five and day six, he created animals to fill the earth. And he created man and woman. And here we are. Why did he create us? I believe one of the reasons he created us is to, for fellowship, so that we can serve him, so that we can bless him. The power, that very power came forth in Jesus' life. God raised him from the dead, he was resurrected. Jesus healed the sick. He made the blind see. He delivered from demonic strongholds. He calmed the storms. If we rightly meditate on who Jesus is, we understand that even the wind and the waves obey his voice because he created it and he's in control of it. Men just witnessed, witnessed it as Jesus walked among them. So he, as God, is in control over everything. It was just a witness of his power. God in flesh, when he told, when he commanded the wind to be still, when he commanded everything to be, be at peace. Everything is in, is in his control, and man could witness it. This is the God whom we serve. How can we grasp that? How can we are spiritual beings? How can we come to a comprehension where we even just grasp a little bit of that, of who he is, and that we are commended and encouraged to come onto this very throne, this throne of grace in all our need, whatever we may be lacking. We are commanded to come to this throne of grace. You wonder where do we where do we deserve such a where do we deserve such a grace? Man has gone and walked away from the Lord 
over and over and over again. In our own very own lives, how often, just think and meditate on that, how often have we personally walked away or disappointed the Lord? Yet his, his love is still directed towards us. In Isaiah 52.10, it says, The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. This is like what I see when I look at this verse. I see a God preparing for battle. He has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the, na the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The investment that he has made. That he made salvation available for all people. That he got ready to battle. And there is battle. There is a battle. There is war. The enemy is on the same war path. But God, it says, made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And he makes salvation available for all people. He calls for all people to come unto him. He says in Isaiah 55, verse 7, Let the wicked... Forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It's always there. Salvation is always there. He will abundantly pardon. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And here we have the God that spoke the world into his place, that is sitting on high, that is almighty, that he is a creator God, sending out an invitation to us, to men who have forsaken him over and over. He goes, in spite of that, he goes on to say in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that I please, what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. So how shall we approach God? What kind of reaction does it prompt from me? Being a vessel, being a created vessel, as he says in Isaiah 51 verse 6, he says, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look unto the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteous will not be abolished. Just look at that verse for a second here. He basically is telling us that the heavens and the earth that were created, they will vanish away like smoke. 
the earth will grow old. And those who dwell in the like, in the like manner, that's us. But my salvation, and then he's writing it, but my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. He says in 57.15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We remember the Isaiah 60, chapter 6 account. When it says, He saw the Lord sitting on a throne, High and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And above him, above him, above it so seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew, and one he cried to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And here it is. Here is when we encounter the Lord of who he is. So I said, woe is me for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. For I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have not seen the king. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. This is the same throne that we are instructed to approach with boldness. When Isaiah confronted that throne here, he was undone. Woe is me, for I am undone. He saw himself. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. We're all. He he, he saw the undoneness of who he was and and who he lived with. And I usually come back to these verses and I, I ask this question. Did we ever, do we have these moments when we come into the presence of God and we feel so undone? And the only reason we can exist before the throne of grace is because our sins were atoned for as Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And with assurance we can have that boldness. Because his cleansing is sure and true. If the Son makes you free, ye shall be free indeed. That is the only way we can come before that throne. That very throne where Isaiah said, I am undone. What should I do? We can come with boldness. The majesty still stands. The throne on high is still the same. But we come covered. We come covered in the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus has extended his love towards us. He said through that in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. 
So picture creation here. God, power, mighty creator, spoke the worlds into its place. We remember the account on Mount Sinai when he, when he spoke and everything shook and there was thunder and there was lightning. And the people fear and trembled when they got near to him. God on the throne, fear. Yet, he's still the same God. Still the same demands of righteousness. But now he's telling us this. You're no more servants, but you're called friends. What changed? Can we, can we start to comprehend and grasp the love of God here? Of what Jesus did. We talk about choices or equipage. The responsibility that Jesus took upon him. The love that we're to close that gap, the reconciliation that he's made with the church, and we're friends. And not even that. He went and adopted us by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Through the Holy Spirit that we receive by faith. To those... That love God, our Creator God, relates to those as His children. And we come to Him as Jesus commanded us to come to Him. In, in the prayer that He taught His disciples, Our Father which who art in heaven. We have God that we can draw nigh unto because of what Jesus has done for us. We have salvation in Him. Just think about it. I remember years ago, I was a young dad, and we had, had just two or three children. And we were sitting at home holding our babies. My wife was holding one of the smaller ones. And I took the guitar, as I've often done, and we sang songs. And I remember we were singing The Wonder of Wonders. And I remember coming to this one verse. I'm going to read that verse. The wonder of wonders as she hushed his small cry. This voice that had thundered on Mount Sinai. His small hand she held so tenderly who had laid a dry path through the mighty Red Sea. And that picture just got so clear to me. The God of the universe I saw that picture in a little baby there, his hands waving around. And our Creator God did that. And I pictured Mary holding his hand, the same hand that, that had laid a dry path through the Red Sea. The voice that was now crying for, for his mother was the voice that had thundered on Mount Sinai. And I just broke. God, what did you do for us? 
I was so strong and humbled, even to this day, when I sing this very verse. When, when, you, when you see a baby, and you know that Jesus, this is what Jesus did. The idea that God Almighty, Creator God, would come to this earth in like manner as we are, is amazing. Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, so that we may again approach that throne. And as if coming in the likeness of man was not enough, he also suffered the death of the cross. So in conclusion, the work that he began, we continue until his return. When he shall return as the Lion of Judah, we shall be ready. So why preach on unity? Why preach on sanctification? Why exhort one another on biblical truths? Why the body of Christ? Why unity? Why striving together? Why laying down our lives for one another? Because he deserves the honor and the glory. And as we wait for his return, we prepare for his appearance. As it says in John, 1 John 3, so that we shall be like him. As we get to know him, as we get to serve him, as we follow his commandments, we shall be like him, the author and the finish of our faith. And as such, as we wait for his return, we can state with Paul as, as, a, as a guide here. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. There's one line that's always caught my attention, but unto them that also, unto them also that love his appearing. To me, this is a, is a ticket, or is a, how should I, not a ticket, but is a sign that we're on that path, that we are in the will of God. We're working towards of what he has assigned us to do, and as a, as a bride is waiting for her groom, and can't wait for his appearance, we also are waiting for the Lord's appearance, for the Lord's return. And it's a continuous battle. If, if day by day we're distracted, we are down things that we're doing things that distract us away from the Lord, that fog our mind, that distract us, that bring noise. Just ask yourself, um, am I waiting for the groom? Do I love his appearing? So, I want to encourage, I want to encourage you to meditate on the God whom we serve. And ask yourself a few questions. Is, is God an idea, an ideal, or is it a being that I feel? Can I, can I look back and, and sense the witness of a son or a daughter? that has experiences working in my life? Have I experienced healing in 
in him. And all these, all these questions, it's good to sit and meditate, to leave the phone sitting for a little bit, or the AirPods, AirPods out of our ears. Keep the radio off in the van, in the truck, and just meditate. I always come back to this simple truth when we first come to Christ. He wants a relationship with us. And these are all things that we can do as building a relationship with him is, is meditate, get to know him, talk to him, spend time in prayer, get to know him in a real way. So, amen. Thank you. Who's song leading? Can we uh, sing? Maybe once we're done here, um, 89, I think. Holy God, we. Maybe after.